You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Hey, good morning, uh, Anthem Church. Welcome. Glad you guys are here. My name is Stan Hyde, one of the pastors on staff. And so, um, yeah, glad you guys are here. Like they said, it's spring break uh, week for our college students, so we're going to miss you all. But uh, certainly got some fun things planned on our church schedule, so you guys have all that in front of you. But if you have your Bibles, we're going to get going in Genesis. This is our series for the semester. So we're in Genesis chapters 10 and 11, so you can begin to open there. Um, but if you're unaware, uh, married to a beautiful wife, myself, we got four daughters. Uh, it is a fun time of year because now all like the skirts and stuff are coming out, but all the girly things. But I'm excited, you know, over spring break. Like I said, uh, we might be doing a family movie night or two uh, as things kind of slow down, which I'm excited about. But get to introduce my daughters to some of like the classic Disney films. You know what I'm talking about? I feel for this generation kind of growing up on, on the stuff that they're getting fed. We had the good stuff back in the day. I mean, you got Beauty and the Beast coming out. You, you had um, uh, just, I'm trying to think of all the classic Disneys. Help me out here. Cinderella, Aladdin, Aladdin. Okay, let's go with Aladdin here. That was good. That's where I needed to go. Yeah. Okay. So Aladdin, that film fascinated me. And so one of the things, like you got this poor boy and he finds his way into the cave, right? And he like somehow rubs the lamp and the genie comes out, Robin Williams' voice. You know what I'm talking about? Fascinating. Uh, growing up like poor kid, you're like, I just need to find me a lamp, all right? <laughs> now, can you, can, can you think with me here a little bit? And I'm not, I, I don't have one, but I'm not going to lie. Like every time I saw a lamp, I'm like, give it a little rub and like nothing. No, but <laughs> But can you imagine if you found a lamp, rubbed it, and a genie came out? Like, what? You begin to think, like, what would you wish for? And you know the rules. Come on now. Like, you can't wish for more wishes, okay? So what would you wish for? We're going to start today's sermon with that kind of illustration. And you got new programs handed to you that has a spot to take notes, okay? I am asking you to write at the top of your notes, like, what would you wish for? And don't test me on this. It's kind of like the birthday candle thing where you're like, I think I should make a wish just in case I get all these blown out. Like maybe, what would you wish for? I'm going to give you a moment like to write that at the top of your paper. So everybody should be writing down, like if I, if a genie came out, which is not going to happen, but if he did, this is what I would wish for. Some of you new parents are like, more sleep, just more sleep is what I want for. Some of you, Jonah, you just got back on your honeymoon, you're like, I got it all, I got nothing for that genie, right? Like, but what would you wish for? What, if you were to write at the top of your paper right now, please do that, what is it that you would wish for? What dreams do you have? And we're going to hold on to that, it's going to come up later, but, but what is it that you would wish for? Getting that written down? So like I said, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 11, and if you're new with us, just give you a little bit of context before we, we get into this. God created everything. We go back to Genesis 1, and we see that creation speaks that there is a creator, and God created everything, and he created man in his own image, it says in Genesis 1, 27, 28. He created him in the image of God, male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
That was the commission clear back in Genesis 1, okay? So catching you up, we're in Genesis 11. And so we see that we are created in God's image to bear his image. But yet, what we saw just recently is that the people didn't want to do that. Instead of reflecting God in everything they did, they said, no, we're going to be about ourselves. And they just become wicked to the point where God grabs Noah and his children and says, I'm going to save you, but for the rest of the earth, we're going to wipe them out. And so it's, a, it's God's mercy that he would, would grab Noah and his family, but you see the wrath of God being poured out. Noah and his wife, his sons and their wives, eight people in all were saved. And we just read last week in Genesis 9, see if you see any commonalities here. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. In Genesis 9, verse 1, 970 says, but you be fruitful, multiply, spread out all over the earth, multiply on it. God has not changed. Same yesterday, today, tomorrow. And so his desire clear back from Genesis 1 and continuing with Noah, is that they would be fruitful, multiply, that they would spread out. That's what he's commissioning them to do. We're created in God's image to bear his image in everything we do and everywhere we go. And so post-flood, it feels like kind of like an amazing race. Like if they were to obey this command, it's like spread out. I would have been calling dibs on Hawaii. And like, I'm sure you could like manufacture the ark a little bit, put a rudder on it, and like, let's go, let's spread out. That would have been a right application, amazing race, like, let's spread out. But that's not exactly what we're going to see. And so in chapter 10, if you have your scripture, you see the list of the table of nations. And as you go through all these names and all these nations, you see that these people spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. And you're thinking, wow, they did it. (laughs) After they got off the ark, they did it. They spread out. No. What you got to understand is is, is this is not in chronological order. So how they spread out, it begs the questions like, well, wait, how do they get spread out? And and why are there different languages if, if they all can trace their same ancestry? Glad you asked. 11, chapter 11 is going to provide the context for how they got spread out and how they got different languages. So let's read together in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and in the same words. And as the people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had, made, they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Okay, let's time out and stop there. See what's going on? They're saying, we don't, we don't want to be dispersed, so let's make a city and let's make a tower. And we're going to do it out of brick. They're in this valley, so you have to understand, church, there's, there's not this abundance of stone that they can just kind of carve out. And so to accomplish what they had in their hearts, they had to get a little bit creative. And so in their ingenuity, they invent the brick, right? Now, I brought some. I had my wife grab these out of our landscaping, so there's a gaping hole where these were this morning. I think this is like one from the side of our house, and so I don't know how she got that one, but this is landscaping. These are bricks, right? 
You know what I'm talking about? Heavy, right? They invented these, okay? They creatively, like, manufactured these. Think of that process, like the ingenuity that, that it takes to invent brick. And here's how, my understanding of how you would go about creating something like this. Okay, you can't just take any sort of dirt, like, right off the top and just mold it up and make a brick. No, you got to get below the topsoil to, like, that clay looking stuff that's down there, the stuff that you don't want to plant a garden in, that, that, this is not garden material right here. This is brick material. And so you got to get under that top layer and you find like that clay. And then what you do with it, you can't just take that. No, you got to mix in either straw or like dead grass with it. So it kind of binds together. So you mix it up and you get like this slurry that's kind of like a dough-like consistency. Now you have the material. Then you have to create a mold, in this case, like a rectangular mold. And so you put it in a mold, and then you mold it together, and then it comes out of the mold, and then you got to begin to dry it. And here they, we see that they're even like baking these bricks, like with fire to harden them. And then you let them kind of cure a little bit, and then you have a brick. Do you see the level of ingenuity that it, that it took? And they're saying, we need to make enough bricks to build a city and a tower that reaches to the heavens. They are committed to, like, to this process. Does that make sense? Of, of building these things. And so they said, come, let us build a city and a tower that reaches. How many of those do you think it's going to take? I mean, they're at it a while. This is like really premeditated and thought out. Ingenuity. I think, like, when you think of ingenuity, if you're wanting to, like, be stable, a brick is a good thing. And I love this. We have this same, like, ingenuity in us as people. For example, man, my arms just somehow get cold when I'm, like, watching TV and reaching for the remote. And so, by God's grace, somebody came along and invented the Snuggie, right? <laughs> like, we are an ingenuitive sort of people. I remember, like, the, the commercials, like, back in the day, like, Man, if you're in bed and for some reason, like, you forgot to turn off the light, it's all right because we have the <laughs> clap on. You're like, clapper? You know what? People are like, what is that? They make a light that you can just clap and it turns off and on. Like, this ingenuity, we have this. And so here's where their ingenuity is applied, though. God says, what did he say in Genesis 1 and Genesis 9? He says, go, spread Fill the earth, multiply all over it. Take my name to the ends of the earth. And their ingenuity say, no, no, we want to stay. This is not a sign of spreading, right? This is not something you're like, yeah, let's go to the ends of the earth. Let's like, put these in our backpack. This is a sign of you don't want something to move. God said, go, and they said, we'll stay. And we're going to really stay. We're not just setting up camp here. We are planning to stay for a very long time. Sign of stability. Nothing says you're not moving like making bricks. And so why? Verse 4 tells us why. They said, why? Because we want to make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Perhaps they were afraid of the unknowns that existed out there. They said, it's more secure for us to stay together. Perhaps they didn't trust God at his command that, that, that they should go out. There's a lack of trust. They said, whatever the reason, we want to stay together. 
in direct defiance to the command that God had given them to bear his image everywhere they go and in everything they do. These things would have given them a false sense of security. What I need you to understand, Anthem, is that the greatest killer to your service to God may not be sin, but it may be the things at the top of your paper that you wrote down. Does that make sense? The greatest killer to your service to God may be the very dreams and the hopes and the aspirations that you wrote at the top of your paper that keep you from being about what God wants. Some people are looking and you're like, maybe. Think of it like this. What is our hope in? Where are we looking for the security? As I look at what is on my heart, does it align with what is on God's heart? Or does it align with making a more comfortable and secure life for myself? Are my dreams rooted in comfort and security? Or are they rooted in the Lord and his promises? We have to ask ourselves that question. And it comes from the understanding, is God any less passionate about spreading his name and his glory today as he was back then? God is no less passionate. You have to understand that even the commission given to the disciples was go, make disciples, let people know. But the problem at Babel was God said go, and they said no. No, we're, we're going to stay. And when that disobedience happens, that's the first problem. Disobedience happened, and their pride begins to well up. Not only said, are we going to be disobedient, God said, I want you to make my name great. And they said, now we're going to make our name great. People are going to look at this city and look at this tower, and they're going to think of us. And the, the reality is this. The further we get from God, the more false sense of strength that we have. Like our pride wells up. Does that make sense? The further we get from God, the more false sense of security that we actually have. I'd liken it like this. Okay, so can you imagine right here is a lion? Okay, we're at a zoo now. Okay, so here's a lion. When you get pretty far from a lion and they, they got the fence and then they've got like the nine-foot wall here and then they got like the three layers of gra glass, you know, like you can be like a little kid and you're like making faces at the lion and like mocking it, you know what I'm talking about? I love the videos though where like the glass is there and that lion like comes charging up to the glass and like hits the glass and the kid like freaks out and falls down. What I'm saying is the further you are, from that lion, the false sense of security that you have. But when you get close, like you imagine, like you're in that pen, it's like, yeah, now make those faces. You're like, no, I'm good. Like, I want out. It's this false sense of security. But the more distance we put between ourselves and God, the more secure that we feel. Like, what, what's God going to do? People of Babel, need I remind you, this is the God who spoke creation into existence. Do you not forget, perhaps even the slain body still surfacing, that God, this is the God who flooded the whole earth, made rain come up from the sky and up from the earth. You need to get with that, and that would put things in perspective. But you have forgotten. You have forgotten who it is that you are mocking by your disobedience. And so they say, come. Let us make brick. Come, let us build a tower. They just poked the lion. <laughs> and God's response in verse 5, And the Lord 
came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And he goes on in verse 7 to say, come, let us go down. Does God have poor eyesight, church? Like clearly God in his omniscience like knows what is taking place. And this is, biblically, this is the use of satire. God is, he's mocking them a little bit. Because what they say is like, come, let us, come, let us. And he's like, oh, you want to do the come, let us thing, verse 7, I'm going to come down there. And this idea of like, let, let us go see this tower. Like, oh, you're building this great tower? Like, let me, where is it at? I'm sorry, I can't see it. That's what he's doing here. He's totally mocking them like, oh, a great tower oh, with brick. Good job. You mixed grass with some dirt and dried it out. woo <laughs> Like, I made people out of dirt. You're making brick. People wins. But he's he, he saying, oh, like, let's, let, let's see what you got going on down there. And it's not to take away from the ingenuity, but it's, it's a reminder that, that who it is that they're mocking with this disobedience. This is God. And they're created in God's image to bear his image in everything they did, everywhere they go. Bricks do not lend themselves well to service to God. And then God's going to say, okay, great. You insist, insist on making your name great? Let's see what his response is. Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. Not that they're going to do great things, but the beginning of the level of disobedience. And so nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. So verse 7, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth. And they left, uh, left off building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused their language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. If you're taking notes, you can write this. You can just, God opposes the proud. Another way we used to say it is, be humble or get humbled. They're saying, oh, we're going to make our name great. It's like, okay, be humble or get humbled. And can you imagine what that job site potentially looked like when the Lord, in an instant, like confused their languages? Like at one point, you're like, Hanny, you're like, hey, another brick. And then all of a sudden, like, they heard, blah, 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 you know, and it's like, what is that? And so, like, they hand you, like, a bucket of water. You're like, no, the brick, confusing language. Maybe you haven't never had this. I had a little problem one time when I was a student going overseas for a summer uh, on a summer uh, missions trip. And just a side note, excited, we've got 10 of our own students going overseas this summer. But I had a little language barrier problem when I got there. See, I experienced something, a uh, medical condition I've never experienced before this point. And so I didn't pack very well. But when you're walking around in like hot, sticky climate like I was in, and you're doing that for days, and you're like playing basketball with college students, like... Your skin causes like friction and it develops something known as chafing. <laughs> Didn't know what that was, but but I'll spare you some of the details. But at one point I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm bleeding. Like it is, you're like checking yourself. It is painful. 
And one of my teammates is like, you know what you need is gold bond. I'm like, great. I am in a foreign country. And you're going to, to people who do not speak your language. You're like, uh, do you have some uh, gold bond? And normally you can like act things out like, got to go to the bathroom or hungry. Like, act out gold bond. Ready, go. <laughs> gold, gold bond. Uh, uh, baby powder, like that was the one that did it. And I like, there's this language barrier. And when you take away language, you take away like some of the, when you take away communication, you take away community. And you know what this is like. Perhaps you've been driving down these Missouri back roads, you're talking on a phone, the call drops. And so you call them back, call drops again, do it again, do it again. And finally you're just like, forget it. Like I'm done, I'll text them. I'll talk to you later. Like when you don't have communication, when you're unable to communicate, it breaks things down and it, it causes a level of frustration to the point where they just stop everything. Like the project is done in an instant because of their inability to communicate. And so we see in Genesis 11 that this community was set on evil. They wanted to glorify themselves. They were content being disobedient and proud. Just like the people who were flooded out before them. The same heart of the people that God destroyed with the flood is here a couple chapters later in these people here. But God doesn't send a storm to flood them out. He doesn't invent a new way to destroy them. Instead, God enters the scene and he confuses their language, which in effect, what you saw it in the text, verse 8, what did it do? It caused the people to scatter over the face of the whole earth. What they likely saw as a trial was God mercifully putting them back on track. Church, sometimes the very things that we are fighting are the very things God intends to use to get us back on track. And so God, in his mercy, helps accomplish his desire for them, which was to scatter, and he does it through confusing their language. God uses broken people and something that seems broken to cause great good. And so he pushes them and he scatters them. And from here, we're going to move on in Genesis as we continue to study. That God is going to pick a nation from all these nations, the nation of Israel, his chosen people. And they would only need to look around and see all the languages to recognize that God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. You cannot defy God and survive as a nation in the fact that these languages existed would have been evidence of that to them. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says just that. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. And I think the question that comes from this text is, are we that different? Is what they set out to do all that different from our intentions and what we're setting out to do? And that's why we started the whole sermon with, Man, write down what it is that you desire, what it is that you wish. And I know I kind of baited you in on that. But, but is our desire to be comfortable, to be secure? And I would say that even that desire of comfort and security is not a bad desire. But unless you're looking for that comfort and security in the Lord, you're looking in the wrong places. If we think comfort and security would come from making just a little bit more money, having just a little bit more reliable vehicle, if we think, oh, a, a relationship, that would really help it out. If the answer, if that comfort and security is attempted to be found anywhere apart from 
the Lord, it is going to be disappointing. And brick by brick, we'll become more entrenched. And I, I love that, that God perhaps keeps us from finding that apart from him. Paul Sabino, who's a pastor friend of mine, when we were getting married, we were doing kind of our um, pre-marriage counseling. He would say, your family needs to be built on this kind of mentality where we would say to the Lord, I'm willing to do anything, anywhere, at any time for you. God, I'll do anything, anywhere, anytime. This spirit of like, God, the answer is yes. Now, what was the question? Like that this disposition of our heart is, God, I, I, yes, what, what, here I am. What do you want from me? That we would have that posture. Jesus taught us to pray just like that. God, may your kingdom come, your will be done. And so we're going on 10 years of marriage and, and hadn't been perfect, but that really has been the heart that my wife and I have tried to embody Whereas God, what do you want? Anywhere, anytime. In fact, the last time that I got to look at this text was seven years ago as we were preparing to venture out and go help plant a church in Cedar Falls, Iowa. And then here we are, three years in to saying yes again to moving here. It'll be three years ago in May that we said, God, we're, we're willing to do whatever and move again. So you're like, what are you saying, Pastor? Are you moving again? Like, it seems like you're due. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the, the heart behind that, the, the posture of, yes, God, I'll do whatever, wherever, whenever, Anything you ask, anywhere, anytime, that spirit of yes. There's no other option. We're created in God's image to bear his image. We see that. C.T. Studd, a, a missionary, put it like this. He, he said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I just want to have a position of surrender anthem this morning where we're saying, God, not my desires, my, not my dreams. Again, if you look at those, how big do those look in comparison to God, the creator of all? God, not my will, not my desires, but, but your will be done. And so do we have that spirit of surrender? And you have to understand, Anthem Church, that the security that we long for the fullness of life that we long for is found in God alone. Life and life to the fullest, Jesus said, is found in me. We are created in God's image to reflect his image. And Jesus would say like this in Matthew 16, 25, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him and can you take him at his word that, that it is it is found in him. Gosh, I wanted it for the people of Babel that they thought this was security. And we're going to see over and over again this theme throughout Genesis and throughout the rest of, of Scripture that security is found in the person of, of, of Jesus Christ. It's found in the Lord, not in things. And so I want us to, to, to check our hearts this morning and we're going to have an opportunity to respond with communion. And what we're saying when we go to the communion table is that Jesus Christ, his, his body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us. We can trust him who laid down his life for us, that he knows what is best. And so as we do that this morning, 
what I would invite you um, to do as we make our way there is as you kind of make your steps to the communion table, perhaps even just under your breath, you just say, God, I'm willing to do anything you want, anywhere, anytime. God, I love you. Anything you want, anywhere, anytime. That as we take communion, we would recognize who it is that he's calling us to serve and recognize the love that God has for us. And it's from that position that we can trust God. And I can understand how they would want to, in that time, default to putting trust in bricks. But, but Christian, we have the fullest picture that God can give us in Jesus. And so he is who our trust need be in. And so I'm going to invite the, the band up. And I just want to give you an opportunity kind of with, and you can have your notes, but what I would invite you to do, and if you didn't write your stuff down, um, I would just invite you to do this. Think about what it is that, that you want. And you can just kind of close your hand around that, and maybe it's, you're just holding your notes like this, and you're like, I thought I wanted a new van because ours shot the spark plug out the side of it last week. True story. And so I thought I needed a new van. But more than I need a new van, God, I need you. And so what is it that you are holding on to, your wants and desires? And again, I'm not saying those are altogether bad, but they need to be subject to, God, what is your wants and desires for me? Amen? That God would be Lord of our lives. And so here's what I would invite you to do as the band begins to play and before we take communion is just as you have a hold of those things and you can symbolically just hold your hand, I want you to, to give those to the Lord. Or if it's your notes, I want you to lay those down. Say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And as we walk and take communion, anything, anywhere, anytime. So I want that to be our prayer. And so I just invite you to kind of just close your eyes right now and ask, what is it that you're prone to think would bring you the happiness and the security that you long for? Go ahead and just name those things now, church. Just invite you to, to name and declare, man, I think this would make me happy. And then perhaps you have your hand kind of closed around it. I, I think this. I think this is what I need. And just, add, just articulate that back. And for the people of Babel, they would have said, these bricks is what we need to be secure. This community, not being scattered, is what we need for security. That's what they would have said. What is it in our hearts where we share that same heart? We think this would lead to security. And when you're ready, I just invite you to open your hand, let it go, or, or set those notes on the ground, and make your way to the communion table. Break off a piece of the bread, dip it in the cup, and say, God, anywhere, anything, anytime. God, I am yours. And so would we yet again surrender? Some, everyone that surrenders is going to look a little different. I just invite you to surrender. So when you're ready, open up the hand, lay the notes down, make your way to the community.